Today is August 15th, 2020, and this is Sam Walking in the World, episode 10. Today, I'm, uh, of course, going to talk about some stupid stuff, um, and then uh, in lifey stuff, I'm going to talk about relaxing, kind of the nature of relaxing. And that sound you hear in the background is my dog destroying a uh, an aluminum can. Um, it's better than her barking, I guess. She and I are kind of in this together because we share our morning, so I guess you have to tolerate her, as I do. But anyway, um, in lifey stuff, like I said, I'm going to talk about relaxing. And then in larger things, I'm going to talk about conflict, particularly the idea of, of fighting fire with fire, which is a common expression. So I'll get right to it. First, in stupid stuff, uh, I have a couple things. Uh, first is that, is that I've reached the point, speaking of my dog, oh my God, listen to it. I've reached the point where I buy things or get things for the express purpose of my dog destroying them. My dog is a destroyer of things. Thank God some things she chooses to ignore, like... Uh, Cords. She doesn't chew on like power cords or electrical cords, which is really a plus. But she loves tote bags, any kind of tote bag. Maybe because she associates them with people carrying them. And oh my gosh, she's getting ridiculous. This is unprofessional. So anyway, I get her tote bags when I can. Knockoffs mostly, unless she's very good or maybe a Christmas. Um, she also, her favorite thing, though, is small fabric bins. Okay, I got to do something about this. Hold on one second. Okay, and welcome back. I sincerely apologize for that. Now she's got, like, a plastic Gatorade bottle or something, so at least at least it won't be as uh, intrusive. So anyway, I was talking about how my dog destroys things, and... I've got I've gotten to the point where I get things specifically for her to destroy. I try to trick her. I, I want her to think that it's something that matters to me. So because that seems to be her target area. So lately, it's been so these small fabric bins that, like you know, they kind of have little handle holes on both sides. You see sometimes like elementary school teachers will put their papers and folders in them. And um, <clears throat> she's been attacking mine. And so. Um, I was digging through some old stuff, actually, and I found another one that I don't really use. And I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll let this be the one that she destroys. But she could kind of tell that it wasn't important to me because there was nothing in it. So now I've gotten to the point where I, I accrue fake stuff to put in my fake bin. So she'll really try to believe it's mine. And it's just, it's hit or miss. Sometimes she'll, it'll work like a charm. And sometimes she just looks at me like I'm an idiot. She's not far off, I guess. Um, I tried slippers. I got a pair of really cheap slippers, like $2 slippers. When I was at Walmart one time and I brought them home and I, I acted like I cared about them. I put them with my other slippers and I put them down on the floor. She just completely ignored them. And I, I guess it makes sense. I think she ranks the value of shoes by foot smell. Like, the greater commitment I've put into the shoe, the more value it is for her to destroy. And that's stinks. 
really. Uh, no pun intended. Um, okay, that's one thing that's stupid. Another thing that's stupid is this. This is a pet peeve of mine, probably as an English teacher, so I'm going to be a little pinheady. But I don't know if it's a kind of an older person thing, or maybe uh, if you're not that language adept. But colloquially, people have a way of, of adding what I call, I've come to call, the superfluous possessive and the unnecessary article. Now, that's just really a highbrow way to say it. They add an S to things that don't or naturally have an S. For example, um, someone will say, um, they're going they're going up to Aldi's the store, the discount grocery store. It's called Aldi. For some reason, they just presume Aldi must be the guy, the name of the guy who owns the store, and they're going up to his store, so they're going up to Aldi's. Um, they also say it with like Walmart. Uh, I'm I'm going up to Walmart's. Do you do you need anything? No, I don't. Uh, I'm going to stop and get some gas. I think there's a Sunoco's up the street. Uh, and while I'm at it, I think I might get my oil changed. I'm going to go over to Valvoline's. And I guess it's okay if it's like Chili's. Like we got want to get some dinner. Let's go to Chili's. Or, or, or no, let's go to Friday's. TGI Friday's. That's part of the name. It's another thing to say Panera's. Or over to Chipotle's. Anyway, and then what? What really makes me laugh out loud is when they also add the the unnecessary article. And by article, I mean the words like a, an, the. They're called articles in the language. Um, and so I it, I can't help but just break out laughing right in front of people who say it. They'll be like, uh, "I'm going up to the Chipotle's." <laughs> I can't help it. Like it's too much for me to 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 break down for anybody. So I just look at them and laugh and try to love them. But it cracks me up. <clears throat> so that is the stupid stuff. Moving on to lifey stuff. Um, I'm going to talk about trying to relax. The other day I was having a conversation with my wife who tends to be a tense person. Um, she's not, it's not, it's not meanness in any way. Like she's not a, you know, you know, but she's, she's tense. I mean, it's borderline uptight. It doesn't really affect me. She doesn't take it out on me. It's just her own state of being tends to be a little, a little tense. And so the other day, and we all notice it too. My stepson and I sometimes tease her about it. <clears throat> and, and, the, and the other day she said she was really going to try to relax. Um, she did, does summer school. Summer school's over. And now she's kind of got some weeks before regular school starts. And she said she was going to try to relax. And I got to thinking about it. And I, I, I realized if you say you're trying to relax, it means, A, you're not going to. And B, you don't understand what relaxing is. Trying to relax sounds like making an effort to relax. And making an effort means you're still working. That's the opposite of relaxing. 
You know, it sounds like there's concentration involved, like some flexing and some sweating, trying to achieve that relaxed state. And I was thinking, if your effort fails, right, if your effort to relax fails, I would guess the natural thing to do then would be to work harder. It's like sprinting in the opposite direction of the finish line. But she worries. She worries. And this is something that I I know for a fact has made me a happier person. And honestly, I believe incrementally it's made her a happier person. Because it, it is it does rub off on people. Because they don't feel like they... Not only... Once someone feels like they don't have to worry about you worrying, it makes it a little easier for them to not worry about themselves worrying. I hope I'm having that effect. I'm definitely worrying less. And, and it's one of the things that made me happier and I want to share. Um, this is this is kind of how I used to be. There would be like these things in my life that I would almost kind of picture as pillars. Like my financial stability, my physical health, this you know, this the well being of my family, um, how my my things that I have to maintain are doing, like how is my home? Does it need to be painted? How's my car? When's my next inspection? Just, and I would kind of picture them as pillars. I'm sure I'm leaving something out, but, and uh, <clears throat> I felt like they always required kind of my checking up on my attention in some way. And, and it really ended up amounting to worry. I had to worry about them. Something going wrong. You know, well, the, the, I could have engine trouble and and have a bill that's bigger than one that I can pay right now. And then I probably have to put it on my credit card and now I'm paying interest. And, oh, my God, how am I going to pay it off? My mind goes down trails like that. Um, I don't know if yours does, too. But I bet it does. And um, and I would I would have that process of thought for all of the pillars. I would be like, God, what if I go? I got a doctor's appointment coming up. I have my colonoscopy coming up. I actually do, actually. I have it Tuesday, um, but I'm not worried about it. But, but in my in back in the day when I was just a wicked worrier, I would I would be like, what if they find something? What if they find something, and then I have to think of myself as somebody who has something? Like, what if it's cancer? Cancer never goes away. Now I have to fight cancer for the rest of my life. Oh my God. I, and, you know, it would just go on and on and on. I would always worry about the worst possible thing happening in each of the categories of my life. And so, as people have helped me with this, one person in particular, a very good friend, an older woman, she's got a lot of experience. She told me once, <clears throat> and I've tried it and it's worked. It's Instead of worrying about all six of the potential crises that you want to prevent. Instead of worrying about all six, save that energy, that worry energy, save it and hold it for the one thing that might actually go wrong. And then you'll be in a more composed position where you can use that energy to get through that problem. And it's, it's true. Tragedies happen, but not all of them. And, uh, and when I started learning to do that, and it's discipline, I had to like, the, the thoughts always come. It's like, um, I can't ever, I can't ever um, 
let my mind, like I said, directing my own mind doesn't do good things for me. But I, I can't let myself start going down those trails. I have to consciously go, nope, you're not worrying about that right now. And I, I picture this sometimes. I'll picture a safe. And if I have a worry that I just, I, I can't, really can't exterminate from my head. I'll, in my head, <clears throat> I recommend this, I picture a safe, I open up the safe, and I put that worry in the safe, and I close it, and I twist the combination, and I tell myself, now, for at least the time being, I'm not going to worry about that, but it's in the safe. If at any time I want to go worry about it again, I know it's there for safekeeping. Oh, literally, safekeeping. <laughs> but um, generally speaking, I forget about it. You know, like weeks later, I'll open up the safe to see what's inside. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember I was worried about that. Why was I worried about that? Okay. So that is lifey things. And my wife is my wife is doing a better job of relaxing. But I don't know if it's through effort. I think it's honestly letting go of effort. But that's that. Um, I will be moving on to larger things where I will talk about the concept of conflict in particular, the idea of fighting fire with fire. But before I do that, I'm going to take a short break, and I will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. That message was brought to you by Grandfather Clock. Now, in larger things, this is something I guess I've been thinking a lot about, because... Usually one of the main stressors, I think, on a person, and I know it is on me, what used to be more than it is now, but it still is, is is conflict. When I'm up against something, some kind of force, usually when I perceive to be um, kind of a negative or unjust force, like I don't ever get in conflict with the rain but usually it's, it's other people, something other people are doing. Um, especially in circumstances where it creates a major inconvenience for you or it upsets you in a way that, or me, you know, I'll say I should talk in the first person. It upsets me in a way that um, just like psychologically or intellectually or emotionally, it makes me feel like something's not right. That's not right. And um, my instinct, my first instinct, is to push against it. And I wonder who it was that first said, you got to fight fire or with fire. I know what, I, I think I know what it means. Um, but it is, tends to be uh, my first instinct, or at least it was. And I, whoever came up with that phrase, I would love to have a conversation with them about it, about why, I'll just say he, could be she, but I'll... Um, why why he thought that was a good idea to fight fire with fire. No, I know it's an instinct, but whether or not it's a good idea. Um, and I, I guess just for the sake of discussion, I, I think it means you fight just as hard and just as nasty as the other guy. You know, but why fire with fire? I, I would think the other guy's fire in the scenario is something that's hurting you or me. And I would hurt them back in the same way that they hurt me, by also fighting with fire. But if you follow the metaphor, it, it leads to a fire twice the size. 
He's coming to me with fire. I'm returning with fire. We got a giant fire. Unless you have some kind of shield like that stops the other guy's fire from hitting you, but it allows your fire to pass through the shield and hit them. But you know, I don't know. Now I think I think now I'm just being unrealistic. But essentially, the more and more I thought about it, there's basically two choices. When when you're faced with a conflict, something that you that displeases you or that um, upsets you in some way, I think there essentially are only really two ways of dealing with it. Maybe more. I don't know. We'll see where my mind goes. But um, I was thinking like two ways that don't cause a, a giant conflagration, which is an all-consuming fire, for those of you, vocabulary buffs. Um, we don't want an all-consuming fire. And, and which choice you make of these two depends on one very important thing. Really is to be considered first before making a choice, and that is, do I or don't I have more power than the other guy? In this case, the force coming at me. Do I or don't I have more power? Maybe it's at a job, and I'm the boss. This person is an employee. I have more power than them. I can I can immediately do something about it. Or other situations where you don't, you have equal or sometimes even less power than the force that's coming at you in a conflict. Now, one, the first choice, obviously, is if you have more power, then rather than fighting back with equal and opposite force, because that doesn't really, it sounds like it might create like a fair balance, but it doesn't. What it ends up doing is extending the conflict. Two equal forces are going to battle for a while. But if you have more power, the, the sensible thing to do, I would think, is respond with overwhelming force. So much force that your enemy is obliterated. Or at least their ability to hurt you is obliterated. Um, but as I said, I don't think it's a good idea to deliver this death blow in the form of fire. Because um, I think when, when you fight fire with fire, I think everybody gets burned. At least a little. So being that you do possess overwhelming force, the thing to do would be to extinguish the other guy's fire. You have more power. You have the ability to just put it out. And then at least from that point on, you're not in danger of burning. Of course, neither is he. But since you're the one with greater force, as he stands there covered in fire retardant foam, you could just punch him incredibly hard in the face. Or better yet, hit him with your giant fire extinguisher. My point is that if you have more power than the person, you don't really have to worry about fighting them at all. And so I think rarely would you be in a conflict that you can win at will. Unless you prefer conflict. This is one of those things where you, you have a trait and you don't know you have it. You're ignorant of the fact that what you like because of some dysfunctional dynamic you developed you like conflict maybe it's because it brings excitement maybe because it brings attention whatever it is it's, and there are people who do i've been in relationships where no matter what i did i ended up in a conflict and i finally realized this person enjoys conflict it is their comfortable state someone once told me too that most people end up finding and existing in their most comfortable state 
So if depression makes someone comfortable, they're going to be depressed. If if anger makes someone comfortable, they're going to be angry. And uh, um, like worry, if worry is your comfortable state. Sometimes conflict is somebody's comfortable state. And that, in which case, you don't need a fire extinguisher, you need a therapist. But let us consider the second and more likely scenario. If you do not have more power than the guy shooting fire at you. First, um, I don't want to get scientific here, but I feel like everyone likes to cite this too. Newton's law of motion. Newton's third law says for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. In physics, in the physical world, like if you if you're standing on the front edge of a boat, like a rowboat, and you jump out into the water, well, you're going to create a force in the boat that makes the boat drift backwards a little bit. And we've all seen it in a million forms, and I'm pretty sure everyone generally believes it to be true. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. I believe a version of this is also true in the events of people. It's not always equal, and it's not always exactly opposite. But I do believe, I've come to believe, that everything a person sends out into the universe affects someone or something in some way. And this is where it comes down to just whether or not you believe it. I believe the universe has a way of delivering a kind of like natural stasis, like a like an equilibrium. More often than not, it causes things to work out as they should, even if it's not a way that you like. Right? If I, let me put it this way, if I try honestly to be the kind of person I'm supposed to be, and in my mind, because I believe in God, I would say, if I try my best to be the person I believe God, if there is one, wants me to be, and that means being honest, like, you know, quiet, still, honest. I I think in that state, everyone pretty much knows what's true, unless you're insane. But to me, that is the way that I, I listen to God. If God created me, I believe that's in there. And if I'm quiet, still, and I listen, I can get in touch with it. Like I said, it's not always something I want to hear. But if I can do that in my life, then... All the good things that happen are great. And the bad things that happen will be acceptable at least, or at least survivable. Mainly because I'll know I did not cause them. At least I did not cause them intentionally. Everybody makes mistakes. So those things are bound to happen. But my motives, if I keep them honest, uh, I can usually deal with whatever ends up happening. Bad motivations, I think, are much more regrettable than bad outcomes. Bad motivations are really what eat away at you when you go, wow, I was doing that because not I did that and it didn't work out. So I do believe that the guy shooting fire at me will end up getting what he deserves. But it doesn't necessarily have to be delivered by me. I don't think it's a good idea for me to return with equal force. Like I said before, I think that just continues the conflict. And if it's fire with fire, it just grows the fire. Um, I, I just feel like in those circumstances, I'll end up, 
I'll end up absorbing some kind of injury myself. And I, and I, I would rather try to avoid that. If, if hurting him means hurting myself too, I'd rather, I'd rather hurt neither of us. But I do have to deal with the problem in some way. So in, um, there's a there's a phrase in Latin. I was reading a book, and it was it was kind of written as one of the beginnings of a section. And it said it said resistencia sit cosa doloris. Again, fancy way of saying Latin way of saying resistance is the cause of all suffering. Resistance is the cause of suffering. I think originally, as far back as we know, Buddha said it. But it was uh, very popular in early philosophy. But basically what it means is you'll remain in a state of resistance. Which is just another form of suffering. And I heard this. This is pretty cool. Somebody said that resistance is resistance equals suffering times resistance. So you got your suffering that you're resisting. And then you got the resistance on top of it. So, again, this is a scenario where you do not have more power than the causer of your suffering. If, Like I said, if you did, you would just smite them with the blunt force object of a giant steel dispenser of fire retardant foam. But that would never make me feel happier either. Crushing his head with a fire fire extinguisher. That, that, that it might stop him, but I'll, I'll have regrets later. So what do you do with a guy shooting fire? Let's, for the sake of argument, just call it a negative force aiming at us. I honestly think that, from my experience recently at least, the best way to handle it is to get myself out of the way. It's aiming at me. I want to get out of the way. Because it might not be aiming at me. The guy might just be aiming at everywhere, and I happen to be in his direction at that point. Or it may be directed at me. Um... And, I, and, and by get out of the way, kind of, what I mean is, the way I picture it in my head is getting on the side of it. So rather than being in, in front of it where, where it's being aimed, I, I want to try and get on the side of the person. Um, doesn't mean that I forget about it. It doesn't mean that I pretend it doesn't exist. Uh, it means I stay aware of it because forces, especially ones that are recklessly or emotionally sent, may, as, as they say, turn sideways and then they'll be aimed at me again so your question may be what if unabated this this negative force just keeps going on its path damaging things so i I thought about it and i'm like that is a real problem because if you're concerned about the welfare of others and you're confer- you know you 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 have a sense of justice in in the world it's it's just it 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 can bother you that somebody's going around sending this negative stuff. So back to the the um, analogy of fire for a second. It's if it, it, let's just imagine just for the sake of the metaphor, if if it's fire, it's going to do one of three things. Number one, it's either going to burn itself out naturally, things burn out naturally, and so what? It'll eventually go away, possibly. Option two. It'll end up eventually aiming itself at something that does more have more power than it. At which time it will end up covered in foam with a dent in its head, about the size of a fire extinguisher. And you won't have to have been the one that delivered it. You won't have to be the one that ends up feeling regret about 
a concussion or possible death. But here's the here's the key. This has happened to me more often than any of the other things. Well, maybe not more often, but when it does, it's really cool. Option three is you might find, as I have, once you're alongside it, with that new perspective, some things change. Like you might you might discover that the that the energy isn't fire at all. It seemed like fire because the energy was aimed at you and you had negative feelings about it. But once you're on the side of it, sometimes it ends up sometimes it even ends up being a positive force. But maybe it's confused in some way. Maybe it's uh, misguided in some way. And, and this has actually has happened to me. I've, I've been in I've been in what could have been a conflict with somebody. I got myself out of the way so that at least the person didn't perceive me as the enemy. And since I chose not to return what I thought was animosity with animosity, I ended up in just the right position to provide help to the person. Because if someone's, someone's, it's help is forced on somebody or criticism is forced on somebody, it has to get through an extra barrier of pride or whatever it is. But if you're on the side and you're not the person that's criticizing them, but you're just observing the problem as it's happening or frustration they have, you might be able to help. And if it turns out that their force is actually a positive force, you might be able to combine it with your own positive force. And together you could end up aiming it at something worthwhile. I'm going to get too esoteric here, but it's not really... Or, or it might be really badly aimed, you know. It's possible that that the person from the side, even you might say, this this is a bad thing. It is of definitely a fire. It is definitely negative. I can see that now from the side, and I'm just going to stay out of the way of it. In which case, you you wish the person good luck and tell them to go buy a helmet. The hard part, though, is is this. In doing this process, this, you might be like, well, that sounds easy to say. And it is. It's not easy to do. And I don't always do it. But I know that when I have, I've felt better. And, th- and these are the th- this is the hard part. First, like I said, you have to be honest enough with yourself to know that you're trying your best to do the right thing. You have to, you have to know your motive. You have to be able to be honest with yourself. I recommend a God, but you don't need one. Um, Also, you have to let go of the thing you want in the conflict. It might end up, because you don't have as um, overwhelming power, you have equal or less power, you don't get to dictate how it ends. And so usually there's something in there that you want, a a promotion, um, a change in some way. And if you have to get yourself to where you can say, I obviously can't control whether or not I get that. I may, I may not, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to remove it as a thing I want. I'll accept whatever the outcome ends up being. That's freeing. And then, lastly, you have to trust the universe, at least for a little while, right? Just, it's kind of like jujitsu, right? Which I think is an ancient Hebrew martial art. Ah, but I joke. Our sense of humor is what sustains us, all of us. So, like I was saying, 
I'd like to have a conversation with the guy who did come up with the saying, fight fire with fire. Just to kind of pick his mind. It's probably a very old saying, though. So the guy's probably long dead. Probably burned to death. <laughs> uh, all right. I hope that was helpful. With that, I will conclude episode 10. As always, I hope to see you soon. Hopefully tomorrow. <laughs>